Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Welcome to St. Joseph Radio, coming to you live from the realm of the West, and we are in a rainy Saturday afternoon. Hopefully you guys are being safe, and in studio today I have Deacon Tom Burke, and we are going to discuss what does it mean to be an Easter people. Welcome to the program, Deacon. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. It's great to see you. We've not met before today, so it's great to meet you. Oh, careful with that. Okay. So yeah, uh, Easter people. I mean, that doesn't mean like chocolate, chocolate, you know, chocolate I mean, bunnies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with a good chocolate bunny now and then. That's fine. But or peeps. But the uh, to be an Easter person means that you had to be some other person before. And that's what I'd kind of like to explore with you first, because unless we know what Christ's resurrection means to each one of us personally, we can just kind of la 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 our way through life. And, and what a what a waste of time that is. Before Christ. Well, I think a lot of the Jewish people out there that, you know, I know a lot of Jewish people that have converted to Catholicism. You know, they got it. But they, every year, they're waiting. They, they got that extra seat for them, you know. Wow. Well, you know, anticipation. There's nothing wrong with the Jewish people. I love the Jewish people. They are the, the chosen people. They have, a, they have a special place in heaven. I have no doubt for about that, nor does our, our Catholic faith believe that. But, but I want to talk about the idea of there was so, there was so much despair at, at the time of Christ. Christ came in at the most opportune time. Of course, God works those things out, right? So what was it like before Christ? Well, people kind of did a little bit what they do now. The rich got richer and the poor got poor. The poor tried to get the scraps from the table of the rich. They tried to eke out the best existence they were. The people were really, really faithful and moral when somebody was watching, and when somebody wasn't watching, they weren't. And and, and so I don't know whether that, that lines up perfectly with how our life is now, but each one of us has to think about that. As an Easter person, what was I before the resurrection? Before just this Easter, was a week, not even a week ago, before Easter, what kind of a person was I? When I was going through Lent, what kind of a person was I? You know, the unreflected life is not worth living. So it would be good for each one of us to sit here, even in the shadow of the cross, with the great, great rays of the Son of God who, who rose, to sit there and think, wow, you know, what does it really mean to me personally to have Christ's resurrection in my life? Well, it's amazing how we wait till Easter before we think about that. Uh, what about before Easter? We should, you know, 24-7, you know, early and often, always and everywhere, give him thanks. Well, I love that you're talking about thanks. That's perfect, Matt, because, because unless I praise God, I don't really know who I am. It's in the praise of God and giving him blessings and understanding the blessings that, that, that we have that we can, we can turn to God and go, 
well, now I'm starting to figure out who I am to God. I'm really special to God. I've got a lot of stuff that I would like to fix in my life and maybe have better in my families and my career might be better and I might have a bigger house, but all that's, that's not who I am to God. And it's really not who God is to me. Adoptive sons and daughters of God. That's what we all need to realize who we are. Well, this idea of being an Easter person came uh, maybe first recorded about was St. Augustine in the Easter homily back in 407. So he said, we're an Easter people and Alleluia is our song. And uh, Pope John Paul II picked up on that, as many other people did along the way. And they said, uh, what does that really mean? And uh, St. Pope John Paul II said it, it means having joy in the truth and joy in the truth of his resurrection. And that's what I think we should talk about. What is the joy in our life now because we live in the reality of Jesus as a, as a resurrected Lord? Well, I believe that starts with that peace that goes beyond understanding. And that is, you know, you try to grab it. You can't see it. You can't touch it. But boy, is it fill your heart with joy. Well, that's, that's what I, that's, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because, because you know, before Christ... Before the fullness of Jesus in the world, before that fullness of Christ in you, Matt, that you receive in the Eucharist and the Sacrament of Reconciliation and the other sacraments you take of, and also his word, right? Also his word. Before that, what was it like? Well, there was hope in the world, but it wasn't quite the hope that we have in Christ. There was, there was faith in the world. But it wasn't the, the fullness of the faith that we have in the Catholic Church. There was, there was actually a, a peace in the world, but that peace came at a very high price of trying to do everything right in the world and trying to insulate ourselves and be in a fortress. There was trust. People had trust, but it was guarded trust. And so, was, so that would be true for love, too, guarded love, because, because we could only get whatever love we could have in this world. And I, I would ask each one of you to say, well, how confident you are you that we can live now, live now in that, in that idea of, of peace, that peace beyond understanding. You know, Jesus said, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives peace, do I give peace. Do we understand that? What does that mean to you, Matt? If, he, if I said to you, what is Jesus' expression that he said, the resurrected Christ, when he entered the room with the, with the uh, apostles there and his disciples and said that, what does that mean to you? Peace, I leave you, my peace, I, yeah. Um, that is the basis, I think, of our joy and the fact that we cannot put that bushel basket over the lamp that he has lit in our souls as we receive him. You know, it's, I, joke, I joke a lot, as you know, in the short time we've known each other, that I, I could picture this cartoon in my head, and it was bushel baskets are us. And there's Satan sitting out in front, you know, and there's all kinds of bushel baskets that'll fit every lamp in the house, you know, and that's not what we want, you know. And, but yeah, so, so Christ, he was prophesied to come. And, and also, when you think about that with, with the bushel basket, is what does that mean? We're really hiding, right? We, we, we build fortresses around ourselves. I, I know people who are extremely good professional people, and they build a fortress around themselves with the idea of how good they are as a professional person. I understand how that is. I know people who are wonderful, wonderful uh, mothers, okay? And they, they do a great job of taking care of their family, young mothers, old mothers, grandmothers. And yet, 
Is that really what they were called to be? If I ask, if I ask them, is this, I was at, talking recently to some young mothers and I said, what, who are you to God? Who are you to God? Did they have a good answer? Yeah, a lot of them said, I'm a mom or, or I'm a wife a or, or I'm a career woman. Yeah, and I said, well, you know, a mom is what you do. A wife is how you were claimed. I take you to be my lawful wife. A career woman is who I think of myself. And all those things I know I've kind of applied before, but now I can tell you that because of Jesus' baptism, I can hear those same words. You are a beloved son with whom I'm well pleased, right? You are a beloved daughter with whom I'm well pleased. That's the resurrection. The truth that Jesus is alive still in us is that we can live as sons and daughters of God. And there we go. Now we're, now we're getting closer, I think, to living as an Easter, Easter people. Huh? Well, back to the bushel basket, I, I think it's darkness. You know, people are afraid of the light. I mean, I, I know several people that I've had from my past that, you know, we grow apart, and it's like they are, I don't want to say threatened, but they don't want to be around it, you know, the dark, because it exposes what they're doing wrong. You know, it's like I, I tell people, it's like the closer you get to God, the further you realize you are away. You know, that makes sense when you see a religious person, you know, not to pick on the nuns, you know, when they go into confession and they're in there for 20 minutes, what could they possibly be doing, you know? You know, but it, because they're so close to God, every little spot and blemish is illuminated, you know, even the things they don't do. And, you know, wow, you know, so. But, but just that idea of that illumination, I understand what you're talking about, that, that scare, that fear of it. But uh, because, because I'm a resurrected person, I can turn to you and say, this is how I was before Christ was important to me in my life. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I didn't believe in God. I believed in God. I just wasn't so sure God believed in me until something bad would happen. And then I'd go ahead and pray to God and have it reinforced that God was there all the time. And so many of us are that way. And there's nothing wrong with that as a starting point. But God wants something so much deeper than us, you know, deeper than that. So uh, the doctor can't heal it if you cover up the wound. You know, the doctor or tell him about it. That's why daily prayer is very important, brothers and sisters. <laughs> well, I, and, and yet I, I would say I would say that the simplest the better. Okay, uh, 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 Mary Magdalene says to the gardener, "Tell me where you've taken him, and I will go take him. Tell me where you've hidden him, and I will come take him." If if, if that was my prayer every day, tell me where I have hidden from you, and take me. That, that's all the prayer I really have to do. I don't have to whip myself for my sins. So many people feel that way, but I don't have to be that way because I'm a resurrected person. I have Christ in me. That means to be a disciple. So the question is, what does it mean to be a disciple? Huh? What do you think, Matt? Well, to be a disciple is to be that light to go out there, that people who are maybe lost, you know, the light illuminates that path. You can plant the seed, water the seed, the Holy Spirit will make it grow. It's not, we can't do it, but we can help. We can plant that seed, water the seed. That's discipleship, right? I, That's this, this living in Christ and letting, letting Christ live in me is, is discipleship. So, so if I'm going to be a disciple, that means, wow, a disciple, just the root word means to be like. So if I'm going to be like Christ, I'm going to have to start 
maybe maybe I'll just start thinking more like him. So I'm, I, I would ask you this. What would be your insight as to how Christ thought? If I walked up to you and said, I don't know anything much about this Jesus guy, and I know that you're a disciple, Matt, and I know that you're not going to condemn me because he didn't even condemn the, the sinful woman, right? He, so, so you're not going to condemn me. Well, tell me about this Christ person. What would you say? He is love in the purest of forms, agape. And with that amount of love, you can't help but be affected or influenced by it. You know, like the father and the prodigal son, he ran to meet him when he saw him coming. So if I'm going to be like that, well, how do I start seeing the world differently? If, if, if God is love, and we know that from John, John 4, right, 1-4, and if God is love, but then if Christ is love, and I totally understand what you're saying. I love that. I love that what you're saying. Then how do I be like that? How does my mindset change as an Easter person? You have to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yeah, but you know, a lot of us aren't too happy with ourselves. That's why we, that's why we dive into the Internet. and we, we, we lose ourselves in entertainment, and we decide, how, how, how do I get to that spot? Well, that's easy. Remove the log from your eye so you can help your brother with a splinter. Yeah, but I'm used to, I'm used to singing, <laughs> seeing out of one eye. I'm, 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 I'm really being contrary to you on purpose, but, oh, and I great. appreciate what you're saying because you're absolutely correct. But I, but I, I would like to talk to, to, to really uh, uh, try to ask us both here today, and I haven't thought enough about it, but I'd ask the people here listening and watching to say, you know, what do I have to do to love like Christ? And I guess the way I'd start would be ask him. You know, that we don't ask the Lord. Uh, we ask him for a lot of things, right? I need all these red lights to be green because I'm late for work. Uh, those kind of asks, and there's nothing wrong with those. But what about... What about just asking him, what do I have to do to love like you today? Oh, I jokingly tell people I have my prayer life down to the Reader's Digest version. And that always gets their attention. They look at me and it's like, Lord, grant me the grace to be found living your will. Amen. What else do I need? Well, okay. I love what you're going because now you're saying, okay, if I'm going to be a disciple, I'm going to do God's will. So how did Jesus, how did Jesus start? I'd like to go back to that. I don't know how we're doing on a break here. But uh, I'd like to tease you a little bit with when Jesus started his ministry on the shores, the banks of the Jordan, what, how, how did his ministry start? Because he was the first disciple of God, right? The son of God, as we all are sons and daughters of God. How did he allow himself to go? Oh, we'll get that break out of the way so we can talk about it. You're listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from the Rome of the West. Matt Logman in studio today with Deacon Tom Burke as we are discussing, discussed, <laughs> discussing Easter people and how we are all called to be that disciple of light. Well, I think in Scripture many times he withdraws. He goes, you know, they don't know where he goes, but he's going to pray to the Father. He's in a tight relationship and communion with the Almighty. He is God, you know, incarnate. You know, and that's just something that our finite minds probably won't be able to comprehend, but that's where faith comes in. 
So, so Jesus was baptized. The, the Holy Spirit anointed him, as it says in Mark's gospel, the, the heavens were rent open. The Holy Spirit came down and anointed him. He heard those words that we all heard at our baptism, maybe not out loud, but they certainly in our hearts as Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit came and resided with us. That happened at our baptism. We hear those words, you are my beloved child with whom I'm well pleased. And then here's the interesting part I'd like to take you to. What is the very next thing, and, and, and I was ready for it and you're not. I, we didn't talk ahead of time about this. But what was the very next thing that Jesus did? After, After the, he was baptized. If I'm going to be a disciple, I want to follow him. What's the next thing he did? I'm trying to remember the actual reading there, but he started his choosing of the 12. Yes, but first, he went into the desert for 40 days, right? We just went through Lent. We went through our own 40 days. And how did he end up in the desert? It says in the gospel that he was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. Cool. So if I'm going to be a disciple, Am I willing to be led by the Holy Spirit? That, that we know that if we're led by the Holy Spirit, where is he going to take us? Well, I wouldn't worry about the desert too much. Christ was okay in the desert. And we can go and talk about how he was tempted by the devil afterwards. But I guess the point I'm getting at is, are we willing as disciples to be just like him? And if we are, then we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because I love your prayer. You said, I want to do the will of the Father. Grant me the grace. How did Jesus know to do the will of the Father? He was led by the Holy Spirit. That is a thing I think that people are really struggling with in today's time is they are afraid to do the hard. Because if if they're not comfortable with it, they will not do what the Father wants them to do, which is to go out and make disciples of all nations. And we're all called to do that by our rite of baptism. So they're afraid to do the hard. And the Holy Spirit, it's not that it should be hard. It's that it's setting us free, free from any type of slavery to sin and the many ways that people are clueless because Satan, very powerful, very cunning, very smart. Well, yes, you're absolutely correct. And so we're slaves to sin before his resurrection in our own hearts. We decide that the Holy Spirit will be our leader, just as he did led Jesus into the desert, right? And, he, and he, he, like you said, he went off by himself on purpose, right? He was with God off by himself. He allowed the Holy Spirit to not only anoint him and actually propel The Holy Spirit propelled and enabled and empowered the rest of his ministry until he was resurrected, right? And then he said, well, send the Holy Spirit, the the paraclete, who will teach you in all truth. But I guess what I'm getting at is, is what does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit? Well, we're often led by our appetites, aren't we? You know, we're, we're led by this appetite or that appetite. But to be led by the Holy Spirit means we have to be willing to be led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, drive through that's a whole other topic, but, uh, you know, <laughs> led by your hunger, right? But to be led by the Holy Spirit is uh, something that we have to ask for. I, I tell people all the time in, you know, talks that I've done, if you're not knocking, if you're not asking, he will not intervene in your life. You need to ask him. I mean, that's paramount. 
You know, I mean, and that's where that relationship comes. He knows what you need before you ask him, but you need to give him permission. Well, I'd like to tell you a little story about myself. I, in, the, in, the, in formation to be a deacon, you have to, uh, well, not anymore. They changed it. But in formation, when I went through it a while ago, you had something called scrutiny boards. And you'd sit down with two or three deacons and uh, maybe a deacon's wife, and they'd ask you about how your spiritual progress was. Sometimes they'd be, it, sometimes we'd think it was the Spanish Inquisition, but most of the time it was very gentle, asking us where we were going. And I remember this deacon, and I won't say his name because he's a great guy and he's still around. Maybe and, off air. And he said, yeah, I'd be happy to tell you because he's a super guy. And he turned to me and he says, how do you know God's will? And I will tell you, that I gave him this nice mamby-pamby blah-blah-blah answer that satisfied him quite nicely because he was just wanting me to talk. And it was something like this. Well, we can't really know what God's will is. We just try to walk in faith and understand the best we can about our religion and, and do the sacraments and listen to his word. All that was fine. But the actual answer is to know God's will is to partner with the Holy Spirit. To know God's will is not to ignore what the Holy Spirit can do in us because he will lead us to all truth. I say that now because, because only in the last few years have I entered into that dialogue with the Holy Spirit. And how do we enter into the dialogue with the Holy Spirit? We ask. We just ask for the gifts, right. the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, he knows what you need, but if you're asking him... Eh. He's not going to give you a scorpion if you're asking for a fish or a loaf of bread. And far better than that because he's giving you the Holy Spirit, which is what we're just talking about. And that is the key to being a better version of ourselves or possibly the best version of ourselves. Who we were originally made to be, right? Saints. We're all called to be saints. So so the, the passage you're quoting in the Gospels about would, would we give here a scorpion if we ask for a—or uh, you give us an egg if we ask—a scorpion if we ask for an egg or, or a rock if we ask for a fish, something along those if lines. If it's sautéed, maybe. But know. he ends—good <laughs> end, point. But he, but he ends by saying, how much where will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so what—, what I would, I would challenge anybody out there who says, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not hearing Jesus. I pray a lot, which means I'm talking too much, but I pray a lot. I go to Mass. I, I, I maybe go to the sacrament reconciliation once a year so I can do one of the pillars of the Catholic Church. And yet I don't really feel that close to Jesus, and I don't really feel like I can hear God's voice and know his will. I would say pray for the gift of wisdom. Pray for the gift of understanding. Pray for the gift of counsel. Pray for the gift of knowledge. Pray for the gift of fortitude. Pray for the gift of piety. Pray for the gift of, of, of fear of the Lord, which isn't being afraid of him, but actually oh. knowing who you are and who you are not, right? Uh, that humility. Th those, are the, those are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I will tell you, for far too long, I thought just by osmosis, these things would happen. If I continued to immerse myself uh, in the Catholic faith, they would happen. And I do believe that you, uh, if you throw somebody in the pool, they're going to drink some of the water. I'm not suggesting that's not true. But so much more is available to us if we, if we partner with the Holy Spirit, which is what, exactly what Jesus did. As a resurrection people, he's opening the, that door to us.
And if you do that, you'll end up leading a full life, F-U-L, grateful, thankful, hopeful, prayerful. Mm, And yeah, and then you can go through all the trials and tribulations, and there's hope still. Even when things are, you know, looking very bleak, like in the situation in the Logman household, you know, I had two back surgeries, I'm on long-term disability, and then the beginning of the year, my wife comes down with a brain abscess. Oh, for heaven's sake. Extremely rare, you know, and we're counting on her for the insurance, so I mean, you know, it's like, really, Lord? You know, I mean, it's like, you know, but I know he has a plan, you know, and I I know the doors will open, and he will take care of us. And that goes peaceful. You know, it's it's just something that, you know, he's making me better because of this. Well, I want to talk to you now. I I really need to know this from you. Um, You're talking about some things that would would stymie most of the people in the population, would certainly stymie their peace. Tell me how, how you are trying to maintain your peace. One of the things we talked about, right? We talked about faith, hope, love, peace, trust, and confidence. So I really would like to talk to you about this. How does this, how does this peace for you come about? Well, we already touched on that a bit. That is in prayer, that, uh, that tight relationship you have with Jesus as you open your heart trusting in him. You know, saying, I am here in front of you, sinful and sorrowful. What I have left, use. Use it. You know, let me be back in the vineyard. You know, I mean, I know there's a lot to be done in there, and I can help still. What I have left is yours. What does that feel like for you? When total you, surrender. When you're, you're total surrender, but then after that total surrender, which I can see it in your eyes is, is complete as you say it. After that, what does it feel like to partner in the vineyard with him? Well, you, you do get that peace. You get those seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, but like I said, ask, 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 knock, knock, knock. I mean, you know, there's seven gifts, you know, don't just ask for one, like you said, you know, and, you know, he will, if you're offering, he will use you. You know, it could be something as simple as at the, at the gas pump and you say something kind to the guy next to you. It, it could be something that simple. That's why I think the enemy was behind this whole mask-wearing mm, junk for the longest time, you know, because I smile all the time. It's my favorite, right? And people couldn't see it, you know? So it's like y- you need to reach out and touch people in any way you can. We have senses, you know, sight, smell, touch. So that's being, that's just, that what you're doing is wonderful. You're being a disciple. You turned yourself over, allowed the shepherd to lead you. You're talking about how you look for opportunities to do that. Sounds like we're on another break. That's great. We've got plenty of time to talk about more. Deacon Tom in the studio today as we're discussing Easter people and how to be that light, especially in the world we are living in today where darkness is, you know, from the school of what's in it for me. I, I, I. All right, well, with short break here, my friends, God bless you. Do not touch that channel, and we'll be right back. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents.
Hi, this is Matt Logeman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and seven medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. E-R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. In Latin reference, which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally, located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing, which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio. Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. And we are back from the Rome of the West. St. Joseph Radio presents Matt Logman in studio today with Deacon Tom Burke, and we are discussing Easter people. What does that mean, and how do we get to that position? How, you know, I mean, God is calling all of us. Every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. That's great. And and we what we've talked about is we've allowed the we've allowed to follow Jesus' footsteps. We've allowed ourselves to be baptized. We've allowed ourselves to walk with the Holy Spirit. And we've we've asked the Holy Spirit to, to bring that wisdom and truth through the gifts of the Holy Spirit into us. And what does that mean then for the rest of the world? You know, like what I'm getting at is this is that is that I've been struck recently by uh, something that that St. Paul said in Ephesians. He says he says with Christ we are brought us to life with him, with Christ, raised us up with him and seated us with him in heaven in Christ Jesus. So that it I didn't want to get too into so much scripture because people people go to sleep with my voice. But uh, the point I wanted to get at is is because of what he's done in his resurrection, we're already seated with him in heaven. And if we marry that idea as to one of the first things he said, remember walking with him as he first started his ministry, one of the first things he said was, the kingdom of God is at hand. So if the kingdom of God is at hand for you, Matt, what does that mean? You're living in the kingdom now, you're already seated with Christ in heaven, so you already have that position, not guaranteed. We can reject it. God will love us in hell. We can go to hell if we choose it. But we, because of what he's done, we're already seated with him in heaven. What does that mean to your outlook on the world as you look forward? Gives me hope yeah. and, and faith. I, I think that you know he, when he rose from the dead— he had the key in his hand, and he opened the gates and flung them wide. 
So all of those people were able then to go into heaven. So I know that gate has been opened. I know that he is my shepherd, and I, I trust that when he talks through many forms that of my senses can touch or feel, that I will recognize his voice, you know, the, the gift of discernment. You know, if I hear something, I'm like, eh, that's, you know, somebody's being tricked over here, you know. I mean, I, I can't buy that, but... and. I'm faithful to that point where, you know, I, I trust in him, and he always has my back. And, and you, you're, this is great because you're listening for his voice, right? That voice can be through other people. It can be directly from God. It could also be through the Holy Spirit that we've talked about. You have, you're already seated with him, so you, you have the, the power as a son of God that you got in your baptism. You, you already have that. And if you walk in this world in that confidence, that hope that you've talked about, the hope that does not disappoint, that confidence in Christ, that he already, we're already seated with him. Then, then what? What happens? Then, when we're called for as discipleship, we don't say, "As Peter, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man on the shores of Galilee." When he was called by Jesus, we go ahead and follow because we don't look at what's been we plowed behind us. We look to what's in in for us. So, uh, and then what did what did Jesus do? He he acted in the Holy Spirit throughout his entire ministry. And how did, he, how did he treat the other people? I've been so struck by reading the Gospels and sitting there thinking, Jesus didn't complain once. You know, I, I'm prone to whining sometimes, and I'm, I'm prone to, to complaining and and if I get around complainers, I I we're just complain fest. We we just we're I can complain. You give me a complaint, I got a bigger complaint. Especially the older I get here. So you know this is where I hurt. Well, this is where I hurt, and we can just keep going on and on. <laughs> Jesus never did that, right? He never did that, and I don't see that in you either, Matt. When you're sitting here and saying that you listen to what he says and you offer yourself over to him with the things that you've just described for us, shouldn't you be complaining more? And why don't you? Well, my wife hears it all the time. Just well, ask her. <laughs> yeah, you stop into the service station to complain and make a deposit, so to speak, I guess. But, but, but you know, she's a sympathetic ear, and she's there for you on that, and which is also a gift from God, too. But you, but, but you haven't complained once since I met you. And, and, and you may have explained things to me and what's going on with you. Why? Because your hope is not in this world. If my hope is in this world, I got one. I have one complaint after another complaint. I have one thing going on after another. And if the kingdom of God is here, if the kingdom of God is already here, if Jesus said to his disciples, go to every town and village which I'm going to do, eat what's set before you, proclaim the kingdom of God and say, heal the sick, lay hands on the sick, heal the sick, and proclaim the kingdom of God is near, then what he's really saying is, with me, you're already in the kingdom. With me, you have the power to, to be a disciple of Christ. That's what, that's what, in my opinion, is kind of the core of being an Easter people. And of course, I got to ask you a question. How much despair is in heaven? Zero. Well, well uh, they could have despair over the s brothers and sisters that are not choosing the right path. They're probably recognizing the despair of us down here. But then how much, how much pain is in heaven? Zero. How, how, how much anguish is in heaven? 
Zero. How no much, tears. How much suffering is in heaven? None. You know, I, I know it's kind of a rhetorical question, but I'm glad you're playing along with me because if the kingdom of God is here and all those things I just described are from the devil, that all pain, suffering, sin, death is from the devil. And if Jesus conquered death by his resurrection, then it's not here anymore. And you go, well, now I know you're crazy, Deacon Burke, because there's death all around us. There's death in Ukraine. There's death. Just go to the hospital and find out if you can find it. And the answer is not the death that Jesus conquered. Jesus, that if we see this life the way Jesus saw his life as a season in eternity, could you see this life as a season in eternity as a disciple? Because that's how disciples see it. Well, I'll repeat to you what I heard one time, and that was in a different studio, but with St. Joseph Radio. I was interviewing Bishop Robert Herman, and we were talking about rest homes and how some of them aren't really, you know, the the joyful place to be. They're not restful. Right, right. And he was looking around at this one rest home, and it wasn't very clean. It wasn't ran very well, and he's seeing all this despair out there. And he looked at me and said, Matt, if this is kindergarten for eternity, where do I sign up? I was like, wow, you know, that that, that was beautiful. Um, I, I think what you're talking about, the kingdom of God is at hand, that gives us a foretaste, which I th- love about the Catholic Church, you know, being able to receive the body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ with the kingdom at hand. It just combines with that, that foretaste of heaven, that joy, you know. I mean, some of the saints, when they go into... Um, What's it called when they're like... Uh, ecstasy? Ecstasy, right, okay. right, right. So, yeah, it's like the closer you're getting that way, the veil gets thinner. And that that beauty is just that much closer. It's almost like you can see the shadows. And it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you said that because if we're walking as disciples, if we're walking as Easter people, then as an Easter people, we're walking with Christ here and now. Uh, I, I, I saw this on uh, EWTN, and and uh, I was struck by it because uh, this person who was a convert, of, uh, from, I guess he was a Protestant minister, he said, he said one of the things that struck him the most on his way to being converted to Catholicism was that we don't believe that the incarnation ended. It's kind of an interesting idea if you think about it. If Jesus was incarnate and came into the world and walks with us now as we are disciples through the power of the Holy Spirit, then the idea that when he ascended into heaven, his incarnation didn't end because of the Eucharist. And, and when you think about it, it makes some sense. It, think about the, uh, what we're going to see in the Gospels coming up in the, during this Easter season. Jesus is going to ascend into heaven and, and to... Uh, Angels are going to be there and turn to the disciples and say, what are you looking at? Why are you still looking up in heaven? Because Jesus just told them right before that. His last words is, I will be with you to the end of the age. And what he meant by that was in the sacraments that we have in church. If someone out there says, says yeah, I've, I've taken the Eucharist. I, I, I'm Catholic, and, and I, I take the Eucharist into me, but I don't really feel that the Lord is in me at that point. I, I can taste the bread, but I don't really feel like the Lord is in me. Then I have a simple prayer. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Come alive in me. 
show me what I have to drop, how I have to open my hands. Oh, that's the hard part. To take it all in. You right? know, that's where people kind of like put the bushel basket. They don't want to see it. They don't want to lose it. It's, you know, Satan is, like I said, very powerful and, and tricks them into, you, know, you can't do that without this, you know, and on and on, nonstop. Well, yes. So, so I'm going to challenge, challenge as I've been challenged. I recently heard Father Luke Doyle quote St. Benedict. Father Luke Doyle said, St. Benedict said, you can't have comfort and greatness at the same time. Wow, I want comfort. I mean, I, my life is set up around comfort. I actually walked into the studio and made sure I had a hot tea just ready for me here. My, I'm constantly seeking that comfort. And that's what Lent did for us, right? It said, have a little emulation, you know, have a little mortification. Just those are big words. What it means by have a little denial of yourself, you know, so you can take up the cross with Jesus at the Easter. We're Easter people because we're willing to deny ourselves just a little bit because our our life is not here. This is just a season in eternity. And and as long as we keep that in front of us, then we're going to look really different to the rest of the world. If if we're constantly looking up to the cross and, and past the cross to our being in heaven with God, then we're a different people, don't you think? I think Mother Teresa figured that out, too, when she said, there is no love without sacrifice. And you think, well, 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 wait a minute now. You know, I didn't have to sacrifice for, you know, my dog. You know, that's unwarranted love there. You know, I mean, you only find that at the foot of the cross. Dogs? Dogs. At the, you know, the unwarranted love, as I yeah. tell everybody when they come to my house. That's 80 pounds of unwarranted love. You know, and that kind of love can only be found at the foot of the cross. Yeah, I think God knew what he was doing when he made man's best friend. Well, that's true. But but when you mentioned Mother Teresa, it just reminded me of a story. Could I tell you? And this is the way I heard it. Uh, Mother Teresa was on a plane, and she traveled a lot towards the end of her life, giving talks all over the place. And she's she's on the plane, and she said— they offered her a meal back when you actually got a pretty decent meal on a plane. It was a continental flight. Uh, I don't know. It could have been <laughs> uh, Pan Am. Uh, but I, whatever it was, she was she was on this, and she said, well, I really just don't want this meal. Uh, is it okay if I not have the meal, and then maybe maybe the, the money for that can be given to, uh, given to the poor? And the, the steward or stewardess, whoever it was, said, well, well, I don't know. So they radio back to corporate. Corporate says, it's Mother Teresa. Certainly, that's okay. So this rippled through the plane. And other people said, well, I don't want this meal either. Can I just go ahead and have the money given to, to Mother Teresa and for her ministry? Well, okay. Well, if we did it for Mother Teresa, we got to do it for everybody else. So now Mother Teresa, because she's pretty, she's pretty crafty, led by the Spirit— says, well, now now you have all these extra meals. What are you going to do with all these extra meals? And they go, we don't know what to do with all these extra meals. You're the one who started this, Mother Teresa. Now we're corporate's going to give you money equal to the, these, these meals, and now have we all these meals? And she says, well, if that's okay, could I just take those meals? Well, Mother Teresa was traveling with a companion. And when she was traveling with a companion, the companion says, what are we going to do? We're, we're on a plane. we got like 50 or 60 meals easy here or more. As soon as we get off the plane, they're going to spoil in the hot sun, the hot Indian sun of India on the tarmac. And she says, yes, maybe. I don't think so. 
God will provide. Something to that effect. Just God will provide. They get off the plane and they meet a box truck sitting there. And the box truck has a driver in it. And then he said, I finished my last load and I heard in my head that I needed to come to the airport to meet Mother Teresa. It wasn't a radio. It wasn't a phone. They didn't have phones like we do mobile phones now. And I just came here. Is Mother Teresa here? So then what happened was she did what I, I like to call, she didn't do an act of faith. She did a, a faith of act. Okay. She went ahead and acted out in, in the discipleship. Where she got the idea for, the, for, for giving up one meal for, for, for the money, I don't know. Where she got the idea to do these extra things, I know where she got the idea. It was from the Holy Spirit. She lived in the Holy Spirit. She decided to step out. Now, if those meals would have been uh, spoiled in the tarmac, well, then they just would have been spoiled in the tarmac. And maybe, maybe we learned a little humility in that. But Mother Teresa showed us the way of being a true disciple because she acted, not because she had so much faith that there was a plan that would be done, as we all think we have to do, but she acted out in faith. That's our challenge as Easter people. Can we act out in faith like that? So you might say to me, well, Deacon Burke, I, I'm, I'm not Mother Teresa. And I would turn to you and say, you absolutely aren't Mother Teresa, Matt. You're taller. Because other than that, you're exactly like her, both baptized, both disciples of Christ, both living in the shadow of the cross and the glory of the resurrection. That's, that's not our challenge. That's our gift. If we look at it as we're living in the kingdom of God now, we're already there. We already have the power as sons and daughters of God to speak Jesus into the world and to change things the way you talk about it. We, I love what you said. Maybe I just smile at somebody and tell them that Jesus loves them or that I was thinking about them. When I saw you, I saw the face of Jesus for a minute. Is there something I could pray with you for? Now, two or three years ago, I might not have done that, but I'm a different person today because of the grace of God. I don't have to be today the person I was yesterday, and I will not be the person tomorrow that I am today because of the grace of God as a disciple. And the grace of God can never be underestimated. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from the Rome of the West on a nice rainy Saturday afternoon. Go Cardinals. And Deacon Tom Burke in studio today as we're discussing Easter people and what it means, what it's like, and, and what we're all called to do. We're all called to be saints. I don't think everybody realizes that. Well, we're baptized into that, right? We're baptized into the family of God. That's why we say our Father with great confidence that we'll receive the grace. The grace, uh, grace from God is free. We don't, have to, we don't have to do something to do it. Those orphans act like that. Grace of God as disciples is free, and we get to respond to that. That's the grace of God. It gives us the ability to respond as children of God. So let's go to the second part of that we are Easter people, and Alleluia is our song. So if Alleluia, which kind of translates praise God, okay, if Alleluia is our song, then what should we be doing? What should we be doing in our life? You alluded it to her earlier, and I, I wanted to come back to that. How, how do you use Alleluia as your song, Matt? I think we need to be ready always to have a reason for our hope. 
and peace and yeah. ready to share it. Yeah. So I, you, you, what you just did is you quoted uh, 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 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an explanation for your hope. And so what, what would you tell me about that? Since that's your song, what, is your explan- what, what, what would you tell me about your explanation for well, our hope? I think mainly because for a couple of decades, or maybe 30 years probably, we have worked as a family, my wife and I and my kids, to store our treasures up in heaven where moths can't get to it. It won't decay, and it's gaining interest. You know, I was a wreck as a young man, and I now am the father of a seminarian. You know, God has blessed me immensely just because I turned to him and said yes. Oh, I love that. So, so what you're telling me by giving the reason for your hope is because of the great joy you have in partnering with Christ. Sending up those gifts to heaven doesn't mean you have to languish away here where God is very bountiful. But that, but that, that praise of God is wonderful, I hear in your voice. The idea that, that everything you've done with your family is, is in response to God. You know, we don't invoke God. Even the Our Father is not invoking God, right? We're responding to what God has already said to us. God turned to you, Matt, and said, You are my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And that enables you to respond, Our Father. So isn't it wonderful when I hear you say, Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to give God his praise. Another good thing is that we like to stay under the mantle the Blessed Mother, under her protection, under her watchful eye. And I've told people that as tough as life can be, and as much as your faith might be shaken, you know, and it happens to all of us, I tell them, I have two things that I go back and focus on, two miracles that contained our Blessed Mother. I'll go to Guadalupe, and I'll go to Fatima, to where science cannot disprove these miracles that happened. Well, if the supernatural happened then, then God exists. It's all true. You know, if it's supernatural, then it's, it would be even harder to believe. But there is. Christ came. He did supernatural things. You know, the Blessed Mother, she's still doing it. You know, I mean, Guada, uh, what is it, uh, Garamandal, you know, still uh, lots of stuff going on. And I think a lot of people need to really up their catechism and study and, and listen to what the mother says when she's coming, you know, because all she wants for us is to be with her son. It's all she does. Yeah, those are the messages. I'm so glad you mentioned the mother. Of course, she's very close to me in my spirituality. And I, and I have a relationship with her that doesn't diminish my relationship with Christ. Oh, sure. It totally increases my relationship mm-hmm. with him because I come, I come to him. I know it sounds kind of odd, uh, but I come to him with the mother's heart. Because she can, she helps take my heart and make it closer to her sons. And that's what she did with Jesus. She didn't leave him alone for 30 years before he started his ministry. She was always there. And when you talk about, uh, we talked a little bit about 
uh, uh, hope today. We talked a little bit of, about faith. And I'd like to s- circle back to something. It says that, Mar- that Ma- Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, which is not our Blessed Mother, went to the tomb. Why do you think the Blessed Mother didn't go to the tomb? She knew. She knew. You see, she had that faith. She had already heard him. And when he's told his disciples over and over again, obviously in her presence a lot of the time, that, that he was going to suffer. And at the hands of the Gentiles and the, Rome, and, and, and the leaders of Israel, he would, he would suffer his passion, death, and rise. She said, I believe I believe you. And so she will take us by the hand if we choose to do that as disciples. She'll walk with us in, 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 a, in a way that her son does, but also in a special way that a mother can. And she will help lead us to, to what we were made to be, which is children of God. Historically, the queen has a lot of power over the king. You know, I've seen many presentations and, and been to a lot of men's groups over the years because, you know, we got to stoke our fire. And uh, I highly recommend folks, you know, get into a prayer group, Bible study, men's groups, women's groups. They're all out there, and the Holy Spirit is very powerful, and he will, you know, provide. So so we've kind of it's, – it's, it's not easy to talk about being an Easter people and to talk about the fact that Alleluia is our song because it encompasses who we are as disciples of Christ. But I, I would like to leave you with, with uh, as we're finishing up here, with, with, with eight simple questions, okay? Sure. And, as, and as, as Catholic Christians, they should be fairly, fairly easy to answer, but they get harder as they go. Uh, did Jesus live? Yes. Did he perform miracles? Yes. Is Jesus a son of God? Yes. Did Jesus die and then be raised from the dead? Yes. Was Jesus truthful? Yes. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Amen, yes. Are you a disciple of Christ? Good Lord willing, yes. And are you an Easter person? Amen, hallelujah. How's that for a good yes? Yes. Deacon Tom Burke, I appreciate your time here today. As we've got to wrap things up. My name's Matt Logman. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, reminding all of you folks to pray. Pray as a family and educate yourselves. You know, you know, we might be undercatechized, but there's a lot of tools out there. And www.saintjosephradio.net is a good place to start. Well, until next week, this is Matt Logman saying so long for now. God bless. Listening to St. Joseph Radio presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S A I N T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636 447 6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.